0: This podcast is brought to you in part by SureWinder, the industry-leading tool for winding residential and commercial springs with a cordless drill. Your business depends upon having the best technicians. Ensure their shoulder health with SureWinder tools. See us at surewinder.com.
1: Hey there everybody. My name is Hannah. Welcome to another episode of Torch and Talk, the podcast where we talk about the garage door industry and how you can grow your garage door business. You ready, for this? You ready to take a shot?
0: Hey guys, Torch and Talk podcast here. I'm Ryan, your host. And today I have one of my friends in the industry. I like to call a friend. I hope we're friends. Are we friends? Definitely. Okay. Uh, so my friend Roman from Somer, and uh, Roman is the East rep for the U.S. Is that
1: right? Technically Southeast, but I do Southeast. a lot more than that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. you're like all over the board. So kind of. You're, you're, in my eyes, I know there's like a West Coast guy, and apparently he's really good too, but you're kind of like the face. More or less, yes. And you're everywhere. And well, I don't know that's well, just because of your knowledge and your connections, but nonetheless, I feel like you're doing a good job. Thank you. So, I enjoy what I do. Yeah. Well, before we jump into Selmer and the product and, uh, and you guys, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, cause I think a lot of people like to get to know the the guest. How did you get into the garage door business?
1: Uh, kind of a long story. I bought a company from a friend in 2010, um, in North Carolina, but previously I had two years experience. We lived in Missouri for two years when I was like, uh, late teens and my dad and my brother and I installed doors nights and weekends and had a lot of fun doing it. And then in 2010, with that experience as background, I bought a company from a friend of mine who was selling his company because he started something else. And uh, just kind of grew it from there. When I bought it though, uh, I had enough calls coming in to do about a day and a half a week by myself. That was it. So um, grew it from there until I had, I think at my highest point, seven employees. Bought another company in 2016 and then got out of it in 2018.
0: All right. So I didn't plan on talking about this, but what, like, how did you get to the point where you're like, let's buy a garage door company? So the, the company I bought, the owner
1: was retiring and he was actually my CHI supplier. Yeah. That was the big reason for me to want to buy it is to keep my CHI line open uh, and cheap and affordable.
0: So did you continue to be a distributor and a service company or? Yes. You did? Yeah. How was that? He was not
1: actually a distributor technically. Like I was okay. pretty much the only dealer that was buying regularly from him. He had one or two other small accounts that I also kept selling to. I gotcha. Um, but he was a dealer distributor.
0: Okay. So, I mean, like, uh, it would be like if I were selling parts here and dealers were buying from me, I can just set a rate. But we're not technically a distributor. I mean, we're buying from a distributor. But because we buy volume, we might get better pricing than the one-off contractor. Right. Okay. Right. Um, Were you getting a good amount of business from that? Or is that just something that was just random?
1: So you mean from the distributor or or, or the yeah, distribution so you, network?
0: Yeah, like you were buying doors like you bought a company who was selling to local contractors. So obviously he had he had other people buying from him too, right? Only a few though. I was by okay. far the largest I got you. Uh, door dealer customer. I'm intrigued by that model. We don't do it. Uh we sell parts direct to consumer, but I'm intrigued by the idea of potentially selling doors and parts to local, other garage door, like smaller companies, um, maybe a little bit of a savings from what they might get at the local distribution center. So I was just curious. Right. And for, so for, for me and
1: for me as a customer and then later as a distributor, it was not so much about uh, saving money as having access to products that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Right. Because I have, uh, you know, in Charlotte we have uh, Amar, Clopay, and DoorLink, DCs, but nobody's selling CHI. There's one, but it's like an hour and a half away.
0: Gotcha. So. And CHI has a tendency to make agreements with exclusivity. Yes. So that was a good decision. Right? I,
1: I had wanted to become a CHI dealer before and talk to them and it just wasn't an option. So the, yeah. the buy into the company that I bought was really my, my best way to do that.
0: Yeah. So you don't have to tell me like an exact number, but. The money that you spent, was it a lot or was it like surprisingly less than you had anticipated to buy that first business?
1: It was way more. Uh, the, the first business? Yeah. The first business was was low. It w- wasn't very much. And it was comfortable. Uh, the second business was a lot, a lot more than I should have paid.
0: Okay. So I kind of felt that was the case when you were describing it because then I felt like that was kind of like the end. I think you said you re- like shortly after that you got out?
1: Yeah. So I was there for about a year and a half until I got out. Okay. Basically, basically the company I bought, and nothing against anyone here, of course, but basically the company I bought had a lot of baggage that was unseen.
0: That's what I'm always afraid of you because know, I get opportunities to buy smaller companies out. And it's not like, you know, some of these companies have had stickers in garages for 15, 20 years, which is attractive to me. But at the same time, you're also getting 15, 20 years of baggage of people running a business different than probably I would have.
1: Right, right, and and that was actually a pretty big deal. And But because I knew him and had been doing business with him for, you know, six or eight years already, I felt like there was a level of confidence, and I kind of knew what was going on. He had stickers on doors that were 35 years old. He'd been around for a long time, nice. phone numbers and stuff. But really, all of it was pretty much a wash as far as what he was making, and it, it, the company itself wasn't worth much financially.
0: I got you. So, and that was the first company or the second company? That was the second company. Okay, and so, what made you want to buy that company?
1: It was the CHI. That was a CHI dealership. Oh, that was, was the that CHI, was big one. Yeah.
0: Okay. So the first one was just a guy. Like, what? How many employees so, was that? None. Okay, so it was one person. I basically bought the phone number and some inventory. I and got that you was it.
1: And he had been working with his son, but he had kind of let the company die or be dormant. Uh, In fact, he'd even lost the phone number to it, but I managed to recover it um, and got connections to a couple of his key accounts, which even at that time were still, you know, netted me a day and a half of work a week. Yeah. So I had to build it up from there.
0: So hindsight, if you were to look at it now, would you have still bought the first company? Yes. And it was worth it. Yeah. Would you still buy the second company? No. Okay. Hands down. Though. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, you're my first guest. I think that's acquired of the garage door dealers to my knowledge. Um, what advice would you give somebody like a garage door dealer? Who's maybe thinking about expanding and buying. Cause I'm in this process now where I'm evaluating, okay, we've done well, it's four years. Am I buying other companies in other locations or are we just starting from scratch? What do I do? Uh,
1: look at the books. Books don't lie. Um, cash doesn't count. Like, for in uh, in my example, or in my instance, for example, um, he had a lot of cash that came in, and he kept talking about how much cash he brought in. Of course, that's not verifiable, but of course I trust him because we have a business relationship, right? But then, in hindsight, I find out that there are things that he's not paying that he should have been paying that he's basically flying under the radar that basically make all the cash a wash. And so there goes pretty much the profit that he's been telling me he's been right. getting. Uh, that, and also make sure that the, that you have to be able to separate the value of the company from the value of the owner. So are the people who are buying from him, buying from him because it's him or because of the company or whatever, whatever other value that you can continue to carry forward.
0: Because the owner's going away. Exactly. So is there value? I think Tommy and I had a good conversation about that. He's out, I think, trying to partner with people. I don't know what that means yet. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, But in the grand scheme of things, I find it very attractive, like the idea. Um, And so I actually am having a couple conversations with guys who run their own business and they're like a one or two man show, but I really respect them. Like they're good guys and they're doing their thing, but it doesn't scale the way they're doing it. And so I think if I were to partner with them It could be a situation where I give them the resources they need, and then we start working on hiring up and let them be like a true CEO or like a location manager or whatever, but we're a partner instead of just being like, you know, you're the owner, you're the technician, you're the salesperson, you're the warranties guy, like, and that's exhausting. And over time, the bigger you get, the more overwhelming it gets. And then when you got to hire somebody, you got to take a huge pay cut to bring somebody on. And so I, uh, I'm i actually thinking about taking that approach, which is a little bit different than maybe acquiring somebody.
1: It definitely has some advantages, because in my case, uh, this guy was uh, approaching 70, really needed some like back surgery and stuff, or mm-hmm. he'd had a stroke not too long before. And and basically, we signed papers. We spent like three days together, and he walked out. So there was like so many things that I didn't know also that I right. should have known Uh, And a couple connections to key accounts that I didn't get right because I didn't get enough time with him. But if you're able to bring previous owners on board and have some kind of partnership or, you know, something like that, a lot of that can be avoided. Yeah.
0: All right. So sorry for the rabbit trail, but I feel like that was a great value to our listeners because I think there's a lot of questions around that. So let's get back on track. So you uh, acquired this other company. They're a CHI dealer Um, at that point. How do you get out? Do you leave? Do you shut it down? Do you sell it? Do you give it to your father or brothers? Or how does how did that go?
1: So what happened is um, um, I figured out about probably less than a year into it, and I, and I should back up and say here also that accounting is m- not a strong point of mine, mm-hmm. and so not a strong point of mine either. So I'm a technician, right? I like to be in the field. I like to to be where the action is and do things. I like to meet customers and. The the back work at the office I don't enjoy, so if I let something go, it's likely to be that, which is really important. Unfortunately, because it took me a lot longer than it should have to realize that things were not going as well as they should. Can't
0: made. ignore it.
1: Yeah, that's a problem. Man. Like, that's a problem.
0: I think a lot of business owners have that philosophy that yep. I'll just deal with it later. I'll just make more money now and then. Yeah, those,
1: yeah. Right. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. No. So it took me longer than it should have to realize that things were not going very well. Um, and by the time it did, I was kind of, you know, treading water. Um, and it was survivable, but it w- I was looking at another four years of basically just treading water. So I had been talking to um, the guy whose business I bought owned two companies, a commercial and a residential. I bought the residential okay. and the CHI account. So the commercial was buying. If they needed CHI, they bought through me, but they were an AMR dealer. Um, and did you jack the price up? Not much because of the relationship. We actually shared a building, shared rent and shared warehouse space and all that. I was just curious. So I I was talking to them about um, possibly doing a merger where I would retain some percentage of the business uh, and work for them in sales when the opportunity popped up with Summer. So basically uh, my friend who was then the general manager of Summer told me he was moving back to Germany and did I know anyone who would be a good fit for his position? I was like, no, not really, not off the top of my head. And then five minutes later, I was like, you know, I think I might be if I didn't have my company. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I think you would. So he's like, well, let me know, I've got like 36 hours and I need to let my bosses know that I'm quitting or moving back to Germany. And so I went back to uh, the other companies that I shared a building with. And I said, instead of a merger, would you be interested in doing a buyout? And I'm willing to to basically just walk away without my liabilities, or at least I can retain small amounts of them. But if you can take over my main liability, that's all I want.
0: Which is material and what payroll? Uh, no, my Lease? my main liability was
1: the um, the payments for the purchase of the oh, I got you company. Yeah, okay. And so he the, financed it for you. So you basically, fi- yeah. So you basically financed. He the got rest you of twice. That. Well, except. This is not the guy I bought it from, right? Oh, okay. They are family, but— I got you. That's a complete other story <laughs> and something I don't get into. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <laughs> but, yeah, the guy who bought my business, um, is I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah. Uh, of course, he's a businessman, and, and he's uh, hard-nosed as all good businessmen are, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the other thing I was going to say about buying a business. Don't be afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. Because if you, you know, if you look at the numbers and the numbers don't lie, just tell them, you know, if the business is not worth anything on paper, tell them that you've got to have a starting point. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Anyway, um, I'm I'm a little too soft-hearted for that, I guess. Um, So, yeah. So I went back and told Dominic, my friend this summer, that I was interested in the position. And they called me a couple weeks later and asked if I wanted to come to Germany for an interview. And um,
0: that was it. That was it. And Sommer, how do you pronounce it? Uh, you can pronounce it however you want to. <laughs> Georgia's southern boys I, call them Somers. That, that's pretty good. But the good. Germans that's, call them what?
1: That's actually the way my colleague pronounces it, too. I say Sommer, but the Germans say summer.
0: Sommer. Sommer. Yeah. I think I still jacked it up. <laughs> so so you, did you fly out to Germany to interview? I did.
1: Nice. I actually, in, actually interviewed with our CEO, on the show floor of the R&T, which is probably the largest industry exp- uh, exhibition like it in the world. Huh. Um, but it was cool because it was just, it was informal. There were people coming and going, interrupting the conversation and whatnot. And and he told me 20 minutes in that he would like to hire me.
0: So, Sommer has a very, like, the, the words that come to mind when it comes to, like, y'all's approach in the U.S., Feels very like family tactical, like guerrilla style. Like, I mean, you guys aren't trying to take over by storm and spend twenty million dollars in advertising and like blast it everywhere. To tell me a little bit about like what you got, what, what your plans are in the U.S. So, can I back up a little bit and talk about the history of the yeah, company? Absolutely, because yeah, I, I think like to it contributes to this too. Like. Because I have no clue how big they are. I feel like they're a lot bigger over there than they here are here.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I think the U.S. accounts for five percent or less of our worldwide sales. Okay, um, for perspective.
0: And are you guys competing with Liftmaster over there too? Um, Liftmaster is in
1: Europe, so yes. Okay. But our our biggest competitor in Europe is probably Herman. Okay, um,
0: yep. which you're familiar them. with. Yeah, they push their motors really hard really yeah it was funny like i was just looking to buy doors from them and it would be they'd be like okay so we got this door and this matches up really well with this herman motor and i'm like okay i get it you know like and then the whole conversation like led ended with the motor and so uh i don't know why but i feel like they push their motors like extremely hard
1: right i never did uh, any dealings directly with herman here in the us um, but I know that they're a large uh, automations supplier in Europe, okay. probably one of the largest, if not the largest. Um, we're – I don't know how close behind them we are in size. I know that in number we're only one or two behind them. Nice. Um, for the European market. We right. have, uh, I think, around 600 employees worldwide. It's um, a pretty big company. We're, we have manufacturing in Germany and in China. Uh, the China manufacturing pretty much supplies Asian and South American markets, though. It's not used elsewhere. We have one customer in Mexico who buys a little bit of Chinese product. Um, and the, our Germany uh, supply chain is mostly German, like our circuit boards are German, motors are Italian. Uh, most everything is sourced uh, through Europe. Plastics are German. Um and we have subsidiaries, which are company-owned uh, distribution networks in about twenty countries and representation in just under a hundred countries.
0: Wow, so. significantly bigger than I anticipated.
1: Yeah, we're. If you go to the like the trade shows in Europe, uh, when it comes to garage or automation, you won't see a bigger booth than ours. And Summer spends a lot, has spent a lot historically on that, but we also really focus on building strong relationships. With dealers, we like to treat dealers uh, like family. We actually, um, and this was a surprise to me as a summer dealer, so let me back up a little bit here. I started buying summer motors in 2012, and from 2012 to 2018, we sold uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 to 1,200 summer motors. Um, and at one point, Dominic came to me. Dominic was the general manager at summer and said, hey, how did you feel about coming to Europe with us uh, for an r and show? I think this was 2015. And I was like, oh, I've never been to Germany. Uh, I'd love to go. So he arranged it. Uh, in this case, at that point, I wasn't buying enough volume yet to get a full a full trip, but I bought my ticket and they paid for all my expenses during my time there, and I loved it. And the way they treat you, you know, wine and dine you, take you to shows, uh, show you around the castles and whatever around Stuttgart, nice. was very pleasant. I really enjoyed it. I love that connection. I'm that kind of person anyway. Right. Um, and I think that's something that summer does really well.
0: yeah. And I think they did a home run when they hired you. like I'm not trying to like kiss your butt or anything. I'm not asking for anything but when you're one of the biggest challenges and the timing's really good right now for you guys because you have I don't like I don't there's a huge shift going on in the garage door industry right now, in my opinion. So I feel like, Genie's really stepping up their game. Um, I feel like Liftmaster is so head down focused on product that they're kind of ignoring the customer just a little bit. And then you have you guys who are tactically building really good relationships with dealers, customer service, and the technical aspect of being able to like uh, troubleshoot and things like that. I know that can't scale probably to the size of like a genie or, you know, you're not going to take a thousand phone calls in a day if you guys get like lift master here. Right. So that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no. But what you're doing now, in my opinion, is the right approach because you're winning over influencers. You're building a brand and you're making relationships and that's how you get off the ground. Other than that, like, trying to get off the ground here is really hard i think because the the american people view garage door openers as looking a certain way and if they're not familiar with the name sometimes i feel like they're a little standoffish but you guys have done a really good job of kind of overcoming that and your motors look a little bit different um and not a lot of people american people are familiar with the name Somer. So how are you guys planning on kind of overcoming some of those obstacles?
1: So back to my experience as a dealer, um, for the end user, that that turned out to actually be very, very, uh, I would say almost insignificant. And I know every company sells differently and all of yeah. that. So maybe it's just the way I, I sold. Um, my approach as a dealer initially was, uh, I thought already then that DC was the future of residential garage automation. And so I only sold uh, DC models. So I had DC models from several manufacturers, including Summer, hanging on the ceiling of my showroom. And I would run them, all three, and I would say, you know, this is your cheap one. This is your good one, which was Summer in my case. Uh, And this is the one that has the bells and whistles. Um, And 70% of my customers would, just with that sales spiel, about 70% of my customers would choose Summer. Wow. So the looks Was not a big deal for them. In fact, a lot of them like the fact that when they brought someone over, they're like, where did you get that? I've never seen anything like that. And it's like, it's so quiet. I can't hear it. You know what? Yeah. uh, And uh, Summer has done well with making solid motors that are very quiet.
0: So let's dig into the product real quick. And then we can circle back around to the company a little more. But since we're right here. So for those of you guys who don't know, Summer, the 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 actual motor itself isn't stationary. So it runs up and down with the J bar, right? of The trolley. Right. So it's unique looking, it's a rail, right? And so um, the advantages in my opinion, and I'll let you kind of expand on this, but from my perspective and the reason why we started buying Somer was uh, the, the flexibility is tremendous. I mean, you guys have adapters and freaking customization stuff. Like you don't have to rig anything. You don't have to make anything like you guys have already thought of it and created it. Uh, The carriage swing out door uh, arms are created. Uh, You can side mount like horizontally the motor and put it uh, above or below the track on the horizontal track. We've done that uh, in a scenario where we didn't really have any other option. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. There's, There's other customization things that you guys have why don't you dig into some of that because i'd love to hear about all of them and then share that with our audience right
1: so um i will say so so part of the reason we're so good at customization is because the european market for example has a lot more variety when it comes to garage doors and a lot more spaces that are uh limited with headroom and that kind of thing so they'll put uh side sliders in or swinging doors uh or in fact um the standard track there is low headroom, double track low headroom. Even if you have headroom for it, so I don't know. I don't know why they still do that, and they use extension springs on everything. I will say their extension springs are really cool systems. Like you can run a 16 foot wide door from one side on extension springs, right, manually. Oh wow! Um, so, and I don't know how they do that. I haven't looked into it enough to know how they do that, but um, so that's one of the reasons that our motors have developed over the years to be versatile. Um, and, of course, the fact that we have a traveling motor that travels along a fixed chain means that we already have a flexibility that is inherent because you can't have that when you have a fixed motor driving a trolley. Right. Um, so the ability to remote mount control housing, um, the ability to reverse direction, um, which we use, of course, with swing out doors in order to make the safety sensors work in the right direction. Right. Um, yeah, the ability to side mount, change the angle of attack uh, to the door. Also, we have, uh, on our new models, we have uh, terminals built in for uh, safety edges. And if you think about it, generally speaking, a safety edge is on the door, which is moving, but you have the point of contact at a fixed location, so you need stretch cords. Or interlock switches also. And those interlock switches and safety edge terminals are actually on this motor carriage circuit board, which allows them to move together with the switch. So you don't need stretch cords. You basically just run it up the door. Nice. Uh, Yeah,
0: so. I mean, like, the amount of accessories. When I log in to your portal, which is another thing that I really like, you guys have made it really simple to purchase the product. I can log in, I can see the pricing, I can see all the, like it, you can get lost for days. It needs some organization, but yeah. It's, it's no, I mean, I'm not meaning in a bad it. way. I mean, you literally can get lost for days looking at all the features and additions and that add-ons and it's really cool. Like, I just feel like it's really neat um, because the possibilities of what you can do with them are crazy. For instance, my customer, the very first summer, if you'll, if you'll recall, the very first ser- summer we sold and installed Uh, the customer had, uh, wanted a. she had like a four post, um, kind of like a detached carport and she had storage above that she still wanted to be able to access. And the storage door was in the way of a trolley motor and she didn't want to see the trolley or the motor when she pulled up because her driveway was started low. So she didn't want people to look right through her garage door to a garage door opener that was lit up. That was the armor light door, right? That was the armor light door. Yeah. They'll appreciate the shout out. I love those guys. Um, so we had no side room, literally no side room. Uh, so we couldn't put a side mount on it. Um, we probably could have done maybe like a center mount jack shaft or something to that effect. But it just felt better doing the SOMER in this scenario. So we, you came down, showed us how to do it. Um, the SOMER... Mount it sideways. Here's your adapter that you need to connect to the door. Um, and it worked flawlessly. Like it took a little bit of a learning curve for my guys while we were out there, but it was really nice and it's worked flawlessly. And, um, and so I really appreciated you helping us out with that. And the, and maybe the coolest part about the whole thing was you drove all the way down from Virginia, Right. Like, I don't mean to set the expectations too high for some of these people, but you drove all the way down from Virginia and were, like, you know, teaching me how to put it together and, like, walking me through everything and even, like, showing me how everything worked. And and I thought that was cool. Like, I wasn't looking to make a freaking pallet purchase. Like, we were buying a motor from you. I ended up buying, I think, two or three. But uh, but there was no promises of that. But I just think that's cool that, you know, you that's how you started my relationship with you.
1: Right. So, so, and and that was going back to I guess my hiring uh, the time when I got hired uh, after. So our, our CEO is a really interesting guy. Uh, his name is Gershoff. He he kind of in when it comes to hiring, he flies by the seat of his pants a bit. You know, I sent a resume, everything through uh, the international sales manager at the time. His name is Adam. Um, but when he was interviewing me, it became obvious to me pretty quickly that he had never read my resume. Mm. And he told me, at about 20 minutes, he tells me, you know, he says, um, I like to, to get a feel for people. And so far, I've only made one or two mistakes in hiring people based on what I felt from them. And I have a good feeling about you. And then that evening at dinner, he's asking me questions about, um, about my resume. And I was like, oh, he read my resume this afternoon, right? Yeah. So, and then he asked me to develop a sales plan and as a technician and a former business owner, as someone who's trained installers uh, on Sommer
0: Motors. Hey guys, have you heard of a company named Sommer? Sommer builds some of the best openers on the market, which are all produced in Germany. They've busted on the scene here recently, and for good reason. They offer tons of flexibility. I'll give you a few reasons why this diehard LiftMaster fan, me, started buying Sommer operators recently. The SOMER team here in the US provides excellent customer service and had all the answers to my questions. Roman and Andy, the US reps, they're easy to deal with. The rail for this operator is in the box. Talk about space saving. SOMER can solve so many problems that others can't. My experience has been amazing, and I challenge you to try SOMER out yourself. SOMER has some amazing deals for our listeners. To learn more about these promotions, call SOMER at 704-424-5787. Use coupon code TORSIONTALK. You can also visit them online at somer-usa.com.
1: And as a technician and a former business owner, as someone who's trained installers uh, on summer motors, um, I felt like one thing that summer had maybe kind of dropped the ball on, was on actually training technicians, and it's probably more important with our motor than with anyone else's because ours is different from everyone else's.
0: Correct. Right. So, so and that, I totally agree with your approach. I, you got to change the mindset of people that different is bad.
1: Right. And and I've talked to so many installers who get into a garage and they just they feel stupid because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what to right. look for. Right. And nobody and, likes and to nobody feel wants to feel stupid. Exactly. Right. So I'm like, we need to be selling to technicians because technicians are the front line. Uh, they're the people who are selling to the homeowner, 100%. even though they're even though they're not actually making the sale. They're the ones who are convincing the homeowner that what they get is good, right? So, so that's been my approach. And no, no customer is too small. Uh, in fact, we like small dealers, and like you've mentioned before, our product is compact, so it's easy to ship and very inexpensive to ship in small quantities. Generally speaking, if we ship it to a home, then it gets more expensive. But.
0: And I know you guys have heard our ad out there, but I can't stress enough, as a business owner who's all about, like, efficiency and space saving and convenience, being able to crack open a box with everything in it for an 8, 7, can you do a 9?
1: Uh, the thing is, so since we use a multi-piece rail, uh, the only thing you need for adapter is, is rail extensions. Extension. Right.
0: Yeah. So you could hold a rail extension on your truck, which takes up
1: little to no space. 43 inches.
0: Yep. And you literally can crack open a box and you don't have the boxes outside the truck getting rained on, falling apart, whatever. I was telling you about the experience we had where the customer had called in that morning wanting two openers, was at work, didn't know if they were eights or sevens. We were meeting them at four to six appointment window and uh, we had to come back here and load up, make sure we had two of each. Uh, If we had somers on the truck, that wouldn't have really been an issue. Um, so you guys are in the automation industry. Tell me a little bit about you guys getting into some of the Wi-Fi stuff. And are you guys connected with any Surrey or Alexa or anything like that? Are you guys getting into any of that?
1: So we've actually just uh, got in our first shipment a few um, about a month ago of what we call web. So I should probably back up here and talk a little bit about our radio technology. Yeah, let's do it. So um, we have a family of devices that is uh, called SOMLOQ2 um, that that uses basically a communication protocol between the so, operator and the family of devices.
0: i you go too far. It's SOMLock?
1: Yeah, S-O-M-L-O-Q-2. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, some of you have heard of Sumlink, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit. yeah, but it it does a lot of things, including making the software on the operator accessible to technicians uh, either for either for diagnosis or for actually changing settings. Speed settings, light settings, and a whole bunch of things. we have devices that allow you to do uh, remote management. So, like, if you have sites with a bunch of remotes on them, you can delete them or or replace them from your office and send them out. their is great for
0: parking garages, yeah. things like that.
1: So, we have a lot of solutions uh, like that. And so, our web device actually uses that technology, but instead of uh, accessing the software on the operator, it communicates with the operator and allows the homeowner to basically open and close their door, get notifications. Uh, we're... Compatible. We're actually using small confession here, but we actually partnered with uh, Google Gate, which is now called iSmart Gate or yeah. Remsol, which is their parent company. So they basically built the software. We built the hardware, and so we're using their um, yeah. software with our communication protocol uh, to integrate it with our operators. But the the downside of that is that you do have to buy a bridge device. The upside is that the bridge device is not only a bridge device; it's also a storage device. So we don't have any. Uh, anything on cloud storage and the idea is to not have a central place that can be hacked or where customers information becomes vulnerable because I don't know if you know most Europeans specifically Germans uh, don't like the internet generally speaking Um, my colleagues laugh when they hear someone giving us a credit card number over the phone they're like we would never do that in Germany Everything is so much more secure, and so when our engineers developed this in conjunction with Remsol, um, that was one of the big concerns: make it as secure as possible. Our radio technology has 128-bit encryption. Uh, that's something like 340 billion possibilities. So that's it's crazy. it's really it's really secure. Um, so
0: and I think that's becoming more of a problem because I know Liftmaster. We use Liftmaster a lot. Um, Liftmaster, we're getting a lot of phone calls after we leave of doors opening, ghost openings. And I know there's been quite a few threads uh, online about it. And sometimes we can go there and like wipe everything out and reprogram and it works fine. Um, But something's going on. And it's even between motors on uh, like older motors and newer motors, which is really odd because you got some that are static um, codes and then some that are rolling codes so I don't even know how that's possible, but somehow I guess they're on the same frequency and picking it up and opening it up. And I know that we've even had some people say that the uh, lift master at one point was even replacing like the older motors of the neighbors of nearby customers that like we would install or they'd install. So I just find that very strange. I, I don't know if that's a security issue, if that's happening, but. It's good to know that you guys have 128 bit
1: so, right so so there's that and um, speaking of the the green button problem I actually when I was a dealer, I came across a couple of those too and had to replace heads and all of that yeah. and it gets scary for somebody when uh, when there's ghost operation, especially if it's opening yeah because all of a sudden everything is vulnerable right right uh, so but alongside the 128 bit encryption, which makes our radio technology really secure, we also, with the Sumlink device, if you have phantom operation, and this was one of the last jobs I did as I was selling my company. Uh, by the way, I still do a little bit of field work for my company just off and on when they're really? like, hey, I, I need somebody to cover this. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. I like that. Just
0: I, for the fun of it.
1: Just for the fun of it. Also to help them keep the customer base. Yeah. These are people I knew and work with, you know. I don't like to lose relationships. That's one of the sad things about selling my company is all the relationships you, right. you lose, contractors, customers you're no, no longer working with. Um, but so in this case, it was one of the earliest installations we had done. Um, three doors in a garage and they said one of them was opening. And I was like, "So the, the Evo motors, they don't open by themselves. Like there's a wire that is being shorted or something like that. Right. So I took a Sumlink out and I looked at, the event history on the SumLink. so I'm basically using my cell phone to access the software on the operator, and I'm looking at the event history. Every radio device uh, that we put out that uses the 922.5 megahertz frequency has a serial number tagged to it, and the serial number pops up in the SumLink. So you can see what was done when. So I'm looking, That's so slick. I'm looking at this door, and I'm like, okay, the only thing that is ever being used to open it is um, the wall button. And this remote with this serial number, nothing else ever comes up here. So it's one of the two is malfunctioning. So I asked her to get all, re, all the remotes for me. And she came out, and I was like, well, this serial number is still missing. So there's another remote somewhere. And she's like, oh, yeah, there's one in the kitchen that we keep there. And when she walked into the kitchen, the door opened. Mm. So she brought the remote out, and here it's it has like a hypersensitive button. like you it's it's sitting on the counter and you walk past and it bounces and it operates the door. Oh wow. you know, bad remote, okay. We uh, summer can fail too, of course. Yeah. Uh, not every, uh, every, no one is perfect, right. But we made it easy to diagnose. So I all I do is take that remote, delete it off the operator give her another replacement for it. It could have been like an hour and a half service exactly. call try try trying to to find it and yeah. and and you know it might have taken her taken her an hour to figure out that she still had that remote right. if I didn't have the evidence to say there's a remote missing.
0: Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So with that I think the uh, the frequency makes it uh, good for like hospitals and stuff like that too, right?
1: We actually have uh don't know about hospitals because, yeah, there is. There's a lot of interference. I know there's a lot of in- interference in the 300s megahertz. Right. Um, we have very little problem with interference because we're in the 900s. Um, but it's not only the 900s. It's also that uh, every receiver we have is a repeater. Um, so, so the receivers actually play off of each other. Okay. So, which allows them to extend range, not indefinitely. So. Basically, if you have a, let's say two motors in the same garage, and for whatever reason, there's some kind of interference with the first motor, but that's the one you're trying to open, right? So you hit button one, if there's interference and that signal can't get through to that motor, the signal does get through to the other motor. The motor recognizes it as a summer signal that's not programmed to it. So since it's not programmed, it repeats it. So if it repeats, there's a higher chance that the motor where there is interference is actually going to get the signal. Now it doesn't daisy chain because once when it repeats, it's tagged as repeated. So it can only be repeated once because obviously there's a lot of problems with like UL regulations and stuff. If you can operate your remote from too far away. Are you guys in the gate game? We are in Europe. Okay. Um, And we have, we have, uh, we have accessories. So we have, Uh, radio receivers that customers use on gates. Um, You can add memory extenders if you need additional memory for like high, uh, high volume gates with, I think up to 450. Mm -hmm. Um, Not planning to bring our gate operators here at this point or not anytime soon. We have other projects coming first.
0: All right. So big question. I got this one from a Facebook chat group that I'm in. Okay. Um, When are you coming out with a jack shaft? (laughs)
1: <laughs> which jack shaft a jack shaft <laughs> because we are side mount whatever you want to call it I I don't know residential jack shaft I don't know we do have a project um, it's not top priority it's fairly high priority but but uh, if you know anything about German companies and the way they function we're not fast uh, Germans are very good at separating work and um, the rest of life and so Pretty much you work your hours and then you're away from it. So we don't tend to really push things through quickly. Uh, The upside of it is that usually when it does come to market, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, So I don't know when our residential jackshaft is coming. We do have a a project for bringing our industrial door operators, which are actually all jackshaft. They're direct drive jackshaft, kind of something along the principle of what is used for high-speed door operators. Oh, nice. So, and I, I hope that those will come out soon, but I can't put a date on it.
0: And we'll still be able to use the same functionality where we can, uh, wipe remotes and yes. check activity and all of that even it, from the office. Right.
1: Okay. So no, the, you have to be on site. You have to be on site for that. Um, so some link is the device that allows technicians to access software and, uh, When you open SumLink initially, when you go to the initial web page, so you got to be within range. Yeah, so so the way SumLink works is it's um, Summer says it's not a web server. I like to call it a web server because that's the way people understand it. So it's a it's a Wi-Fi router and a web server. You plug it in on uh, on site within radio range of the operator. Then you connect your Wi-Fi on your phone to SumLink. And then you open a web page, but the web page you're opening is actually on the device. And the web page is the interface to, to interface with the operator. And once you're on the web page, you'll see that we have interfaces for, um, for receivers, for individual memories, for uh, garage door operators, for commercial door operators, for gates, and all of that. Um, so like in the European protocol, all of that is available, of course. Um, here we only have small parts of it available. Um, but where was I going with that? What was the question?
0: Know. The question was whether or not you could program it from, like, you could check all that stuff from your office, or you
1: have all to right. be in person. So, with some link, you have to be there on site to okay. to to um, access it. CodeMaster is the one that we use for managing remotes, and CodeMaster basically sets up a site and then allows you to pre-program. Uh, so you basically. Here at your office, you log into the web page that is on the CodeMaster. You connect to the CodeMaster, and then you log into the web page, and it gives you. It basically makes the receiver on the operator a slave of the of the CodeMaster. Okay. So you can't when you program the CodeMaster, you can't program remotes on site at the operator. They have to be programmed through CodeMaster. Um, so you can preauthorize a remote either to replace one that's been lost or to. Um, or to just program a new one from your office. You pre-program it. it goes with the pre-authorization. You send it the first time they click it, it programs to the operator the second time the operator runs.
0: So that's pretty straightforward.
1: So, right, that's remote management uh, for properties.
0: What about the, so tell me a little bit about the commercial products. That's not available now, right?
1: That's not available yet, yeah. The So, so the big challenge we have in Europe, everything is like uh, 400 volt, three phase. So our starting point is how do you go from that to, you know, 110, 230, uh, 460, and 575 or whatever. How do you cover all of those bases? So uh, that's what we're looking at and how we're starting to, um, I guess, to work on bringing the industrial door operator here.
0: Okay. And the resi motors, surprisingly, uh, the ones that I buy are the Evo 260. 2060. 2060, and 2080, Right. Right. Um, and do I understand it correctly, like, those numbers have meaning, Correct. Can you walk us through that?
1: So we have three motor sizes for the Evo, uh, 2060, 2080, and 2110. They're 600, 800, and 1100-Newton motors. uh, Yeah.
0: And that's equivalent to, I know, LiftMaster claims that they can, like— figure out about what the horsepower is on their Newton but so
1: yeah so there is a correlation. Uh, of course I think um, you know in Europe they don't use horsepower at all we, right. we're kind of forced into this into yeah. this glove that doesn't really fit. Uh, Newtons are translatable to horsepower but gearing is between them. so so they don't always translate evenly. Right. for example with linears LDC 800 that's an 800 Newton motor but they rate it at half horsepower and that has to do with the gearing. Um, We call our operator direct drive. And so the fact that there's less standing between the motor and the door helps us optimize the Newtons for horsepower. So we call them three-quarter, one, and and one-and-a-quarter horsepower, respectively. We prefer to to kind of give the power in terms of door weight. This is the max door weight. Yeah, uh, so
0: let's talk about that because that's where I wanted to go with this. So, it's my understanding that 2060 is 650 pounds. 600. 600, right. right. If I'm 50 over, it's probably still gonna
1: work. It, it, it'll actually, we have customers who use them on eight and 900 pound doors.
0: And they still work? Yeah. And then the 20, why would you do that when the 2080s for rated for 800, right? Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they need it and don't have a 2080 in stock. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So, you have the 2060, 600 pounds, 2080, 800 pounds, 850. 1100. It's 1100? Yeah. Wow. And the 21... 2110. 10 is what? 1500. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of weight. Um, and these are being used on commercial applications, right? So... Where they can? Th- so commercial sizes and weights, yes, but not necessarily industrial applications. Okay. Um, the motor is optimized for use in parking garages, and we use them a, a lot in parking garages in Europe. Um, but... It's not necessarily made for industrial door applications. And I should go back to. So let me just rabbit you a little bit back yeah. to the industrial door right. operator. We can go everywhere. So, so our industrial door operator is, like I said, is direct drive, and it's VFD op- optimized. So variable frequency drive optimized, right? What does that mean exactly? So variable frequency drive allows you to, to control the voltage going into the motor. So you can control the speed and the soft start and stop uh, okay. in order to attain soft start and stop. So you basically and have that's, this.
0: That's the feature you showed me where we can adjust the speed of the door. No, front. that's something different. different altogether. Okay. Yeah, right, never
1: mind. So the... We adjust the speed of the doors using the software on the operator with the EVO.
0: Um,
1: We adjust the speed. Because it's a DC motor, it's relatively easy to do through the software of the operator. With an AC motor, which is what we use for the industrial doors, um, you need... Uh, devices that actually control the voltage going to the motor. Gotcha. Um, so it's, it's a bit more complicated with AC or maybe just needs bigger devices. I don't actually know all of that. I don't okay. actually have an, uh, an electrical background either. So Kyle Hart could probably correct me on this. Yeah, but. that's all right. <laughs> um, Ain't correct a lot of, this so, of stuff. So we plan to bring non VFD versions of the industrial door operator to the market. They're going to be more expensive than your standard, um, Jackshaft operators, commercial jackshaft, but then to add a VFD is going to be a lot less expensive than to add variable frequency drives to a lot of the commercial door operators that are out there because it's already VFD optimized. Yeah. Um, so, coming back to Evo.
0: Yeah, Evo. So, what is the life expectancy in life cycles?
1: So the way we do it in Europe, and of course these are done in a in a testing facility, but. Basically, when a prototype is developed, they are put onto weighted doors that are not maxed out, but but weighted to pretty heavy weights, um, and they're put on cyclers. So they're uh, the door will run, wait 15 seconds, run, wait 15 seconds. And if there's a problem with that operator during a, specif- a pre-specified amount of cycles, uh, the operator is taken down, repaired, whatever's wrong with it is fixed, and then it's put back up. This isn't the prototype stage. And our goal with the Evo and what we actually did, and we have it independently certified, so this is not certified by Summers Lab, right. but by an independent company, uh, was to hit 125,000 cycles in the prototype stage. Wow. Um, which is a lot of cycles. That is a lot of cycles. Um, I think the average usage in the U.S. is 11, 1,200, maybe up to 1,500 cycles a year. now. I don't know. Uh, it, it fluctuates because yeah. people more and more are using the front door as a, the garage door as the front door. That's right? true. Yeah. Right. Um So the Evo is certified to 125,000 cycles.
0: Okay. So that's a lot.
1: That's a lot. On eight-foot doors, of course. The higher your, the the taller your door. um, Technically, it's rated to travel so far uh, before components will start giving out.
0: Now, how tall of doors can we put these on? Um, Up to 23 feet. Wow. That's the Evo, right, Resi?
1: Right. So that's another advantage of the modular approach because the motor is traveling. You can just kind of indefinitely add uh, add, ex- add rail extensions. Yeah. So, so at 23 feet is where the operator actually times out.
0: And those for you guys who are wondering, do you lose integrity in the rail? There's actually an adapter, right, that you connect and give it support along the way.
1: Right, so each rail extension is going to come with an additional um, ceiling bracket. Generally, you don't need a ceiling bracket. You only need a ceiling bracket about per three rails. So, if you're doing, say, a 16 foot tall door, you use two long and one short rail extension. You end up with three rail extensions, but uh, th- sorry, three additional ceiling drops. But you really only need one, maybe two of them.
0: So this is great in certain applications where you don't have room for jack shaft or jack shafts not really what they want they want a trolley motor it's a taller door this how it works out great
1: right um, it tends to be pretty pretty economical um, in purchase terms when you compare it to any other you know 12 14 16 foot tall operator that's available um, it also they're very smooth and easy on the door um, they are sensitive so if something happens to the door they're not going to keep going and until everything breaks apart and falls you know, falls out of the track. Um, so things like, and and this is where I installed a lot of them, uh, things like, um, um, you know, North Carolina, we have NASCARs really big. So I had a lot of customers who were shop mechanics or pit mechanics for NASCAR. They all have their own shops at their place. They have 10 or 12 foot tall doors because, um, they bring their trucks in there to work on them. They have lifts or whatever. So, um, for standard lift, low headroom, and roof pitch, we would use a lot of summer operators. Um, and they work great. It's it's basically a residential application. They're running commercial size and weight doors, but it's still a residential application, and they're UL325 approved for residential.
0: So not only are they extremely customizable, but this is a garage door opener that you could literally put on just about any resi door. Except high lift. Except high lift, yeah. Exactly. So... Um, Let's say you've got... I don't normally do trolley motors on 32-inch radius, but same thing, right? I mean, you just extend it out a little bit and make the J-bar a little bit longer.
1: Right, okay. right. And we've done a lot of that. We have actually have some options for longer arms. We don't usually stock them. They're kind of by request. Yeah. But,
0: so, anything else that you want to brag about on the company? Because now's your time. I mean, this is like... I really love your product. And, and I just recently got to the point where we added your product into our, um, service item uh, price book. So I'm, I'm kind of pushing the guys to start selling them more just proactively. The pricing's good. Like I feel like your price points good. Um, you know, I don't really have any complaints there. It's not the cheapest, it's not the most expensive, but it's a great product. And so I think when you're trying to look for something of value that's affordable, it's less than I'm paying for uh, maybe the equivalent or maybe even less of a motor through LiftMaster, uh, I feel pretty confident that that's a good buy for us. So for owners out there who are looking for a motor and you want to save some money, I genuinely feel like one great thing about this is, you know, people... People don't know what to pay for these. So if you're in a competitive situation where you're selling a door and you put a SOMER motor on there, a lot of people aren't going to know, like, how that compares. So I price them out very similarly to the way that we price out a Liftmaster, and we're able to make just a little bit more money off of that. So I like that aspect. Um, and for most of everything that we're going to do, the 2060 is perfect. That's fine for us. Right. So Um, I like that too. And I can order stuff on your website and have it here. It doesn't take very long to get it. Two days. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love that. Right. Just the convenience. You guys are like, I feel like you guys have kind of figured it out and it's just super convenient. You don't have the distribution yet, but the shipping is really quick. The ordering online is really easy. All the photos correlate really nicely to what you're purchasing. Maybe could use small amount a little bit more description on some stuff, but for other than that, man, it's it's awesome. Like yeah. I gotta be really careful when I log in; I'm not goofing around playing with all the accessories, trying to figure out what all I can buy. But
1: I'll keep a tab on your card. I'll be happy to just say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think we're about to um, install okay. one of them. Uh, Let me check oh, this one, one out for, for
1: for for uh, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So um, I think we're about to put one. On one of our uh, one of our doors back here, we've got one, two, three, four, four doors. And uh, I told the guys I want to put a zap on one, a somer on one, and then I'm gonna try to get my hands on the new uh, genie side mount and stick it on one of the others, okay. just to kind of see, play with it. Let the guys take it down, put it back up. You got a ladder. Yeah. I got some time this afternoon. Let's do it. I <laughs> dig it. I dig it. <laughs> that's,
1: that's really, we, um, so going back to my conversation with uh, Gertshoff, our CEO, he asked me to develop a sales strategy, you know, and, and I'm like, I want to sell to technicians. Um, and that has become both Andy's and my goal. Andy is not a field guy, but he worked in sales for uh, multi-sales for a while in California, and he's been in the industry for a while Um, He has quite a bit of knowledge of field guys who are coming in to buy and that kind of thing. He's never actually uh, Worked in the field, right? But he's done really well at picking out the technical knowledge We want to be both your sales guys for the business owners and the tech support for the technicians Now obviously we can't do anything But our goal is to work ourselves out of a job with the technicians, right? We want to teach them what we know my philosophy is that knowledge is power Correct. And um, we have a really unique product. I can't tell you as a business owner how many rave reviews I got because I sold something that was different from everybody else. And that's something that we offer definitely. You know, if, if you buy from us, if you buy at a certain volume, you get a protected territory. If somebody else in your area comes and wants to buy from us, we tell them that, that they need to work that out with you um, based on your volume. So you get to sell something that not – Every not all of your competition is selling, right. Um and you get something that makes homeowners really happy because uh, because it's different and unique and it becomes a conversation point. Um, and they like it because it's quiet, it's strong, and it's made in Germany.
0: Um, I like it. And Germany's got a reputation for engineering things to death to the point where they're perfect,
1: yeah, so and and we get that some from technicians. They're like, you know, their minds are blown, especially, I, I go to trainings and I get, you know, five or six residential technicians. Then I get one or two commercial technicians. The commercial technicians are mad that they're there, that they have to be there for residential uh, <laughs> operator training. And then I start getting into what it, to what it does. And I show them uh, interlock and I show them the accessibility and I show them uh, memory extenders and I show them uh, safety edge connections. And then you see the residential technicians, their eyes kind of glaze over and yeah. the commercial technicians they're come to involved. light.
0: Yeah. 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 Kind of like what happened here. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we had Bill who was like, yeah. And, and all the Rizzy guys are like, what in the world he just say? And Bill's like, oh, yeah. So this is, this is the, like, you guys are chatting and having a great time, but all my resi guys kind of went a little bit over their head.
1: Right. So the resi guys say, you know, oh, this is over engineered. I, I will say, and, uh, you know, I've sold quite a few other products in my time as a dealer. I never tried very hard. I, I think I didn't try as hard as I should have to build relationships with my manufacturers because that's really how you affect what what you're getting, right, is by building relationships with your manufacturers. Uh, Summer is one of the most reachable companies I know, Um, especially our head of engineering. He's a super smart guy. Um, He's slow-talking. His English is really good. Slow-talking. But you can see him solving problems before the question is halfway out of your mouth, <laughs> yeah. and he's so fast. That's awesome. And just just direct, concise. He never misses anything. Right. And he's reachable. If you have a problem that is something that is beyond our power to solve, he'll come from Germany and solve it for you.
0: Are you serious? And have dinner with you. He's a, we need to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to have some problems. <laughs> okay. I'll create some problems. We'll start installing them. I'm sure we'll have we'll have plenty with my guys doing it. Maybe get,
1: maybe I should put a caveat in there that uh, uh, in case Dieter listens to this,
0: that I'm not trying to overcommit him. So <laughs> yeah.
1: I might get in trouble gonna for that. He's going to be flying to the U.S.
0: <laughs> dinner? Yeah. Um, all right. Like, so, please please let it be New York. <laughs> so I'm an owner. Let's talk about, like, I'm bought in. Like, I, I'm, you know me. I'm in. I've added it to the system. I've had you down twice. We're not selling a ton of them. We do some. Uh, what are some things that I can do to help encourage my team? I mean, I'm not beyond like paying a little extra bonus just to get it going, but what are what are some things that you've seen where owners have done a really good job onboarding your product and getting the buy-in from the technicians? Because I think we do have we got a lot of technicians that listen to this, but we do have some owners and and I genuinely want to sell more of your product and I want to be, I'm trying to get my guys to be less, uh, I want to be like Switzerland, no offense to you, but I would like to have a bag of tricks and for whatever the customer needs, be able to be like, Oh, well then you need this. Right. Instead of being locked into one manufacturer and saying, you know, well, we don't really offer that, but we have this, it's almost as good. And then the next guy, because he happens to sell Somer, comes in and says, Hey, Well, this is the perfect product for what you're looking for. And they're like, yes, that is it. I want that. And so that you just lost the sale, right? So if my guys can get familiar with Clope, Amar, Doorlink, Wayne Dalton, uh, CHI, Somer, Liftmaster, Genie, uh, Lanier, that's where I want to be. And if we need to sell one of them, let's sell it but let's be knowledgeable about it and our installers need to be feel comfortable with it. What is the best way training obviously is one, right? But what are some other ways that an owner can, that you've seen that actually works? Have you seen one that works where an owner has brought in a product, a new product, maybe yours or somebody else's and found a good process to get their guys bought in and learning it?
1: Um, I think So, uh, let me go back to kind of my strategy that I, uh, like our sales strategy here in the U.S. I, I, I was very clear to tell uh, Mr. Schaff that this is going to be a long-term strategy. It's not something Definitely. that is going to revolutionize our sales overnight. But when we do have the sales, as the sales grow, they're going to be really solid. They're going to be pretty much self-perpetuating because the knowledge is already there, right? Yep. And I think that the same is true uh, at the company level. It's not something that we expect you to do overnight. Even if you're on board and you're like, I want to do nothing but summer, we're like, okay, it's going to take a while to get everybody on board. But because um, we do that through knowledge and knowledge takes time because knowledge is not only through learning and hearing, but through experience, right? Um, Technicians have to be out there installing it for a while. I can install a summer operator quicker than I can install just about anything else. And I've done, you know, LiftMaster, Linear. Um, um, But I get so many uh, installers who say, "Well, it takes me forever to do it," but it's because they're not used to it yet. Right. So the same is true with the troubleshooting. You know, I had a technician on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and uh, my apologies if he's listening. Fortunately, I don't remember his name, so so no that names helps. here. But uh, I asked him if he had a multimeter on his truck, and he says no. And I said, "Okay, we're we're so basically our operator electrically is one big circuit." So when something is not working, the first thing we do is try to figure out where the break in that circuit is, right? That's why I need the multimeter. Right. So I'm like, okay, if you don't have a multimeter, we're going to use a screwdriver and we're going to short out this section, and we're going to listen to it and see if there's power there because you can hear the tick of the yeah. DC motor of the DC power running. And he's like, well, that's just lame. And I was like, well, you don't have a multimeter. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's lame. <laughs> and I was like,
1: I was like, uh, and he's like, well, I, I never have to do that with a LiftMaster and i was like well that's because you don't really diagnose you just throw parts at it until something sticks yeah and my one of the things that i want to do and again this is a long term goal and as a business owner it might not be the answer you want to hear where it's like immediate turnover to 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 make this product easy to sell and install but i want to make it not just for us but for our competitors as well that installers become technicians who know how to diagnose and who know how to understand uh, electrical circuitry and stuff, and I think that's one of the things that we see lacking, even even in Mexico. Our Mexican customers, a lot of the installers are much more electrically knowledgeable than a lot of installers in the U.S. Hmm. Because we're we kind of have a shortage of technicians here, so we're throwing whoever we can at right. the problem. So it it really comes down to character development and knowledge development in order to be able to, not just for us but for the industry as a whole to improve. The technical knowledge, um, you know, when technicians have that kind of technical knowledge, it costs us, the manufacturers, a lot less money because we're not throwing parts at problems to try to figure out what the problem is. We can go in there with confidence, diagnose the problem, put the correct part on it, and it's done. Yeah,
0: and the technician becomes more uh, important, meaning valuable. Exactly. Meaning more income.
1: Uh, knowledge is power, right? Knowledge is power. And that translates, that does translate, it should translate to more income. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me as a business owner, one of the ways I did that, so my uh, my main technician who really bought into summer uh, was someone who had been in the industry for a long time, like 14 years before I hired him. But he never really progressed past just a residential door installer. He's not super fast on picking things up, but he's got the tenacity of, I mean, he he just never gives up on anything. And so I latched on to the never giving up on anything and slowly but surely trained him through things to figure out electrical circuitry, how it works, how to figure out what problem is not, uh, what part is malfunctioning. Um, and that also included paying for him to go to Las Vegas, getting his commercial sectional door certification Becoming a little bit of a part of the industry, getting to meet people like uh, my boss who are, you know, uh, h- higher up in the industry right. and to recognize that everybody everywhere is actually we're all people. Yeah. And that this is an industry that I can belong to and be part of, not just clock in, clock out. And the rest of my life is separate.
0: I'm so glad you're my friend. <laughs> like I just love knowing you do like the conversations you and I have had. I just enjoy them. Like, they're just nice. Thank you. You Genuinely are just a really good guy. And, you know, I'm not saying that we lack that in our industry, but I am saying that uh, it's hard to find people who care as much as you do. And you really like, you don't come off like you have a motive. Even though you're selling a product to dealers, you come off like you want to help. And I just think your whole approach is awesome.
1: And I think that, you know, when it comes back to to uh, to uh, motivating technicians, we do have, and we've talked about and thrown around tricks like that. You know, like a, a giving incentives where we give a bonus or we give a break to our dealer customers. Um, they either pass that along to their to their installers or that kind of thing. Um, well, but I'm
0: think thinking about I, doing it internally here. Uh, just me
1: do it. And we, so the, the the thing is that we can actually help you with that, but what works for each company is going to be different. Right. So that's like a conversation that we need to have um, at the salesman owner level.
0: And I want to take this opportunity to, I assume that your upper ups, your higher ups, whatever are going to be listening to this because uh, you're Somer and we're doing the interview and you guys are a sponsor of the podcast. So I assume our friends from Germany will be listening. So I'd like to take this opportunity to uh, to give a shout out to you and Somer. Um, last year we won the award. Well, it was actually awarded to us this year, I think, right? Right. This uh, back in March or whatever uh, for the humanitarian award. And um, you know, once you found out what we were doing, pulled me aside and had a conversation with me about donating some of your uh, motors from the expo to us. And um, I know we've used one of those. Um, we had a lady just a couple miles away from here, actually, uh, Heather in her office, she, um, drops her kid off at the daycare over here. And one of the moms she's become friends with, and she's, they're both single moms, but she said that she's got it a little bit worse off than most, uh, you know, just having a hard time financially had a broken garage door for a while, hadn't been able to get it figured out. So, uh, we did a, Sure. I think we did a free door and motor and we did your, we did your, uh, your motor that you donated to us. One of the two or three that you gave us. Um, And so I just want to say thank you to Somer and you and the rest of your team for, for caring enough to give those to us uh, to give away. So uh, I think that means a lot and it definitely shows that you're in it for more than just the, the dollar bills and that shows, and I know you're in it for the dollar bills, but it's how genuine you guys come off and how helpful you are. I think it makes a big difference. So thank you for that.
1: I yeah, uh, thank you for the shout out. I think it you know I think it really goes back to how important relationships are uh, to summer. Yeah, internally, externally, um, and all around. Yeah, we know that's how good business is built.
0: And it was really crazy because you know I shot out uh, sponsorships to probably, I don't know, eight to 12 businesses, you were pretty quick to respond that you were interested. I found that pretty interesting. I got I got a lot of like tons of questions from some people and then quick, I'm not interested, uh, but you and Surewinder both were pretty quick about jumping on board. I'm just curious the the thought process behind a, supporting a brand new podcast right off the, like I'd never been recorded before, Boomer bust, I imagine, right? Like, it, w- what was your thinking behind that?
1: So, so I think uh, part of my like seeing the value in it immediately is my involvement in the Facebook groups because um, I'm there as a technician. In fact, on my profile, I still own Simplicity Doors, so it doesn't even say I'm uh, employed by Summer. I guess I should change that. But, yeah, we can get that updated. <laughs> but I'm there for, as a technician first, and if you see me answering Summer answering questions or um, or pushing Summer on there, it's usually either because somebody asked me and kind of pushed me in right. that direction, or it's because I've given... I pretty much never give a single answer that says Summer is your answer. It's like, you could do this, or you could do this, or you could do this, and one right. of them is Summer, um, because I'm on there as a technician first. And I see the value of the community that is being built. It's relationships again. Yeah. Granted, they're cyber relationships, but you know they become fleshed out, fleshed out a little bit. In fact... Yeah. Just last week in Las Vegas, I got to hang out with uh, Chris Lowry and, yeah, yeah. and Tia for a little I bit. And Daniel Dryman was there. Yeah, good people. Tia
0: was rough on me the first time I met her. I can't blame you her. You were there. <laughs> yes, I can't blame, blame her either. She was a little tipsy, and she ripped into me. I was like, <laughs> what is going on here? I don't even know this chick. Part of and, the fun, uh, right? Yeah, and the next day I was like, you know, I went up to her. I think I gave her a hug. I was like, I was like, hey, we cool? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you kind of ripped into me last night. She's like. I don't even remember that. It was, she's like, I got nothing against you, dude. <laughs> so like, we're oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> we're cool. So yeah, I mean, it was a long night. I think we, everybody was just kind of had a few. So yeah. I was like, all right, just making sure we're good. But you know, but
1: you know, um, one of the things, one of the values, uh, and some groups have this a little bit better than others, maybe. But it's it's like we're raw and real. Yeah, you it's know, so no, nobody's yeah, nobody's. I love ch- that. Sure, everybody has something they project, you know, Yeah. but generally speaking where we are, who we are and there's no point in sugarcoating it. Um, so, but those relationships and how I saw that the podcast could tie into those relationships was what made me see a lot of value in sponsoring the podcast.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And uh, I hope that it turns into branding and business for you guys and that it works out. Um, I feel like this podcast should sum up a lot of answers uh, for your product and a whole in the company, um, did we cover everything that you feel is valuable for the podcast in general and educating the 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 your consumers, which are garage door dealers and technicians? Is there any offers or is there any questions or answers that you feel like you want to throw out there?
1: Well, I mean, we we do have the the torsion talk special, but you got to call in or or email us there to find are. out. Um, I I can I don't know I can give my cell phone number here. <laughs>
0: Whoa, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. <laughs> okay, like you can if you want. But no, um, I would say that it's probably not
1: recommended. Yeah, there are lots of good ways <laughs> to contact me. We have contact forms on our website. Uh, put my name in there. Tell the guys you want to talk to Roman. They'll send. They'll send you over. There you go. Uh, our tech support and inside sales staff is basically all trained by me. So I have a good relationship with people at the office and they know who to pass through and who they can you know, take care of. So, uh, again, reiteration, we're reachable. I'm reachable. Andy is reachable. Our, uh, even our staff in Germany is reachable. If you need to uh, – uh, if, if you want to talk to us, don't be afraid. Um, I don't think – I'm sure the minute I walk out the door – I'll think of about a dozen things oh, I should have said.
0: Every podcast but, I walk off and I'm like, man, I should have said this. Or but,
1: something. you know, regarding the technical aspects of the motor, we've covered less than half of what there is to cover. Yeah. Um, so so there's a lot available. And the technicians who really love our operator do really well with it. Um, yeah. um, and kind of we have some geek sessions late at night. They'll be texting me. They're like, hey, I just discovered this on your operator. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you can do this and this with it. And, you know, it'll, it'll last for an hour sometimes. Yeah. Um, and we love that. We love that feedback. Um, we love to build relationships with the guys who are in the field. Um, so hit us up.
0: That's awesome. Well, guys, you heard it first here. SOMER is uh, offering you a promotion just for being a listener. So make sure you call them. Uh, we'll make sure that we put the phone number that they need to call. We always link their website on the Anchor uh, podcast. So you can go to the website. It's SOMER, S O M M E R dash usa.com uh you can contact them through there roman's made sure that everybody's fully aware of the promotion for torsion talk so you can go there bring that up and you'll get some pricing from them and then um, roman's always available if you need his phone number and it's like a conversation you like to have about buying something direct or you want to talk to him first hit me up I'll pass on his information. Is that cool? We'll do it that way. Yep. So I can at least funnel it and yep. make sure I don't have crazies calling you. Um, so other than that, we really appreciate you guys' support. Listen, we don't ask for money from you guys. We definitely need you guys to subscribe and like and share our podcast with your friends and family and anybody else in the business. Get us some listeners. Get us some likes. Um, these uh, We can get a little bit more traction if we have a bunch of subscribers and people uh, reviewing our podcast. So we're on iTunes, Spotify. I think we're on Stitcher. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts. So check us out, subscribe, follow us, and uh, that way you'll get updates every time we upload rather than having to see them on Facebook. Also, we have a Facebook page, uh Torture Talk Podcast. Go on there, like us. Uh, we do occasional updates and uh, post our newest podcast there. If you need anything, have any questions, you can reach out to me on Facebook as well. Other than that, Roman, thank you, sir. Thanks for the opportunity. Drove from Virginia. Your third trip here. Actually, Charlotte. Charlotte. Never mind. So thanks for coming. We really appreciate it. It was nice to have you in person and doing this podcast here. And uh looks like we're going to go install a garage door opener on one of my uh, warehouse doors.
1: Let's do it. I've got about
0: 16 of them in my car. Awesome. I think I've got four left in our (laughs) shop. So, all right, guys, thank you very much for joining. Have a wonderful week. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the
1: podcast. I'm Hannah with such and such media. Our team specializes in garage door marketing. So make sure to visit us at garagedoormarketing.co.